Hello there, listener, and welcome to Wiser Than Yesterday podcast. My name is Nico, and as usual, I'm joined by my good friends and co-hosts Sam Webster-Harris. And today we are discussing the book 4,000 Weeks, Time Management for Mortals, written by Oliver Berkman. And we're trying to start these things with quotes now. So Sam, go ahead. Floor is yours. Thanks, Nico. So productivity is a trap. Becoming more efficient just makes you more rushed, and trying to clear the decks simply makes them fill up again faster. Nobody in the history of humanity has ever achieved work-life balance, whatever that might be, and you certainly won't get there by copying the six things highly successful people do before 7am. The day will never arrive when you have finally put everything under control. When the flood of emails has been contained, when your to-do lists have stopped getting longer, and when you're meeting all your obligations at work and in your home life, when nobody is angry with you for missing a deadline or dropping the ball, and when the fully optimized person you've become can turn at long last to the things life is really supposed to be about. Let's start by admitting defeat. None of this is ever going to happen. But you know what? That is excellent news. Mic drop. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> I think that does generally just sum up most of what the book is about. And I really like the book. I did feel by the end that I'd heard some of the book being repeated a little bit, but I wasn't annoyed with it. I really liked the whole thing, but I did feel it could have been slightly less long than it was. Just to <laughs> throw in some negative comments, even though I really love the whole book. So I should probably start slamming it straight away. For me, when you suggested this book, I thought it was going to be this time management book, which is about optimizing productivity and making sure you get everything done in the limited time we have on Earth. And it's a bit of an anti-productivity book in a way, where it throws away the common knowledge about efficient to-do lists and ways to get more done in a day, which I found pretty refreshing. It is definitely the opposite of like the getting things done book. Well, most of the productivity ones. And I'd say it really reminds me of some of the Stoics on the shortness of life book, for example, or where it's a bit more like a modern version of what's actually important in life and making you realize just how much crap is going to be thrown at you that you think is a priority and maybe isn't. And just getting you to really understand a bit more what the point of life is and how to live it and not worry too much about all the things you are being asked to do that you probably might prioritize until you've realized why you're here and what you should be doing. Very nice and wholesome in that sense. Maybe you can talk a bit about the title of the book and what it represents. So 4,000 weeks represents the average human lifespan and time management for mortals is essentially saying, hey, you're going to die. How to manage your time when you're actually aware of these things as opposed to how to just try and fit as much productivity into your life as possible. And that's essentially what most of the book is about. He also talks about a different title or something that he thought about was how to live on 24 hours a day after someone had been writing around to live on an X amount of like calories a day or different sort of meals. And just no one's ever really written the title that is how to live on 24 hours a day, but that is all a human has. And yeah, we never really taught this at school. And I quite like that concept as well. One of the problems that the author identifies, which is something that if you're listening to this, you have this as well in some shape, way, or form. And it's a concept called existential overwhelm. Essentially means that we are, as humans, very closely aware of our limited time on this earth. But yet, so we have so many things that we still want done. 
And there's this constant thing in the back of our minds of, I still have so many things to do and so little time. And if you ask the average person how they are, the answer is, oh, I'm busy. And everyone's still always busy and there's always so many things to do. And this is one of the problems that humans face. And then the second key problem that we have is called the efficiency trap, which means that the more efficient that you become at getting things done and getting things off our to-do list, the more things we start putting there. And so this is his answer to the other type of productivity books and literature that makes you hyper-efficient at getting shit done. But the author identified that he was a productivity geek or productivity nerd himself. And he noticed that the more efficient he became at doing things, the more things started piling up on his to-do list. And so he essentially never got to do important things or got to have enough time to do everything that he wanted to do. It was a nice bit of personal story that he did. He didn't add in too much of his life, so it didn't get too annoying, but it was just useful things. He also used other people's stories as well, and I think he balanced that part really well. But it was definitely relatable when he was talking around him, like, yeah, I was reading these books and I was trying to write these blogs about like how to do these things and just different ways of stuffing in more stuff into his day and then being like, yeah, and then I just <laughs> would never hit them and thought there was something wrong with me. And it was just refreshing to be like, okay, maybe we haven't all got ADHD and maybe we just are trying to do something that isn't realistic as a human. And yeah, I've definitely concluded that one of my life goals is definitely to not have to answer. I'm so busy whenever people ask me <laughs> how I am. <laughs> just seems like one of those silly things that most humans are stuck in and you're like well what's important to you is of not having any control of your time or just doing the things that you want to be able to do before this book i made a rule for myself which is i will never or try to avoid answering i don't have time for that to any type of question because you always have time for something you're just not willing to allocate it and so by not saying i don't have time you're actively taking control of your choices and you don't let your schedule run you. Listen, when you say that you don't have time, it's like you're being given time and you can't control what's happening. Whereas if you take ownership of how you're choosing to use your time, it's very much your responsibility, what you're doing. And it can come across slightly ruder if you say, oh, okay, I'm not going to be interested in doing that basically. But that's exactly what you say when you don't have time to do something for someone. And it's just like, okay, I'm allocating my time in this different way. And that's fine not really rude at all. So I wanted to quickly touch upon the point that you made in the beginning, which is that you found the book too long. I've noticed that I feel like this book is super important. And the core message, I think, is extremely helpful for anyone that's trying to be a good human being and a productive human being in modern society. But I found that after reading it, it didn't really stick like some other books do. There's books like The Work of Taleb, to give an example, which also really talks about certain concepts a ton. It just keeps rehashing the same message in a way. And it just stuck way more than this book. And so I'm just curious why that is. Like it, it wasn't as well written. Maybe it is because the examples weren't as sharp. Maybe it is just because it was too brief. I'm just not sure. The same thing. So when I suggested this, I was about a third of the way into the book. And I feel like I didn't learn anything more by reading the rest of the book. Even though... Any one chapter that I picked, I did enjoy. And like I have probably some quotes from that were kind of fun and nice. But it did seem like essentially just the quote at the start that we just began this podcast with is really all I remember from the book mm. as a summary. <laughs> and 
to talk to about other people. It has given me a bit of a sense of calm of being like, okay, just over-optimizing a day is silly. And that's basically what I've taken home from it. But I think, because I've been writing about time a lot and stuff lately, and I definitely felt I've thought about things in ways that have helped me more than necessarily reading this book. And I have actually come across some other things that have been quite useful around the concept of working out how to enjoy the things that you think you want to do. Because the productivity is essentially like creating a list of things that you think you want to do. And then the problem is, actually, a lot of those are things you want to have done, but you don't want to go and do. Like maybe you want to exercise more, but you actually don't want to exercise. Or maybe you want to like do your accounts. Well, you want them done, but you don't want to do them, etc. So I'm now more thinking around how can I enjoy these things that are my tasks? And can I gamify my accounts or like exercise now I love doing because of I've broken through the barrier of my body feeling like heavy and weak versus the trying to think so like my muscles are stronger than the pain of doing the thing and so it's easier and I found loads of things that I enjoy doing when I'm exercising and so it's actually just like a really nice thing to do each day and it's really easy for me whereas doing my accounts is less fun and like I'm currently trying to do a lot more editing and it sort of just feels like this big scary thing even though once I'm doing it I enjoy it but I'm trying to make it so that like I just want to fill my day with editing and if I can do that then I'll just enjoy my time doing it and it will go faster and he talks about like long-term happiness but I don't really he talks about like how to actually become happy as you do stuff so much which is kind of the point of motivation I feel now that I'm like going into it and being like actually no one really does stuff that is really difficult and horrible and it's easy to just watch Netflix or do other things that make you happy and just make the hard things easier and make the easy shit choices harder in terms of if you want to be more productive in terms of doing stuff with your life. So this is kind of where I've come to myself, which this book I don't feel did for me. I feel like we should go back to talking mm. about the book a bit more. Yeah, but maybe we can talk a bit more about the book while touching upon our discussion points. I'll give you the first one. If you had read this book 20 years ago, how would it have changed your life? I've always relied on lists and that's actually been quite good. And I think more for memory of stuff that I should be doing. But I think I would have felt a bit more peace. And I think I would have prioritized the lists better being told in this way than the other way of being like productivity, eat your frog first philosophy. So I think actually this is somehow better for making you prioritize than the other way. I don't know if I would have even taken some of these things on board when I was younger. As then you kind of have to go through and make some of the mistakes. I think I did need to try and do as much as possible for a while to then read this book and be like, oh, wait, this isn't going to work, rather than just sort of being told it. And when you just hear some advice that sounds kind of sensible when you're young, you just kind of ignore it. So I don't know if it would have really changed my life that much. I think I would have been a bit more mindful of when you say things like, oh, I'm too busy for this, or just notice other people being like crazy busy or all the time and thought of their answer differently because when i used to hear people saying they're super busy like oh cool they've got lots of stuff to do and now i'm like no oh, they don't know what they're doing with their life <laughs> so yeah i, I don't would it, would it have changed your life massively i think this feels like a book that would have had less impact on me just because the benefits of some of the practices that the book would make me do don't click or don't feel like they would change my life drastically. But I'll give you three practical takeaways of which two I'm going to try and apply to my life now. And so the first one is a solution to the 
existential overwhelm. And this is, I think, a quote from, or at least a story about Warren Buffett. So essentially, he was taking a private plane, and his pilot asked him, what should I do in my life? Or what should I spend my time on? Or, or something like that. And the answer of Warren was, the pilot needed to write down 25 life goals in descending importance. So the most important life goals first, the least important life goals at the end. And then Warren said, you focus on the first five goals and you actively avoid goals six to 25. And so the point of this story is that we are essentially trying to do too many things and we're trying to do less important things. And by trying to focus on too many things and doing the less important things, we don't take enough time to do the really important things. This book is trying to make you focus on what's truly important. That's point one, which I liked. Next is avoiding the efficiency trap. So efficiency trap is the better you get at something, the more of it you tend to do. And here the author suggests strategic underachievement, which is try to actively underperform low importance activities and focus on being excellent at a few key activities that are truly important to you. That's something that I'm going to think about more and try to apply. I'm actually pretty good at being an underachiever at certain things. Like I could do way better at, at a lot of things. And so I already underachieved at a lot of things. I'm going to give that a try and then try and be better at what's really important to me, what really matters. And then the third, and I think the most important principle from this book that I think I, that I'm going to try and apply is called a lost time reflection because the future is always uncertain. Like there is a world where there's a plane flying into my apartment right now, and this is the last thing I'm ever doing. And so the author suggests that because the future is unknown, you don't know how many times you're going to be doing the activity that you're doing, try to think about everything that you're doing as if it's the last time you're doing it. And this could be hugging a loved one, having dinner with your parents, taking a walk. And it doesn't take that much effort, but the mindset shift makes it so that you savor these activities way more. And I think some of these low effort things that can upgrade your life enjoyment by like 20% easily. These are the three things that I took away that I found useful and interesting and that I would apply if I'd read the book 20 years ago. But then I don't know really what the effect would be because it doesn't click that much in my head of like, oh, my life would be so much better if I did that. That was definitely a better answer than my answer. And yeah, I liked all of them. But one extension that's a bit more specific to the last one of being whenever you have mm -hmm. an internal thought that is a positive comment about someone like oh you think they're giving a really good answer or they look good or whatever just say it out loud mm -hmm. instead of it being in your head it's just better for everybody if you are nicer and they're aware that you think nicely about them so yes. i thought that was a really good uh <laughs> summary by you there where as opposed to my one that was a bit rambly and wasn't actually that useful so thanks for making the podcast better you're great Good. Thank you for saying that, Sam. Oh, it's my pleasure. <laughs> so discussion number two, what business would you start based on the principles of this book? There's an entire business around helping people absolutely get to inbox zero and be overly productive. <laughs> How would you productize just being slightly happier and focusing on the right things? Therapy based on the sort of principles of this book and getting people to think about these. So some form of like journal book where there's like different questions around the sorts of topics that are in the book each day seems like a product that makes sense. And I might actually go and buy having read this and I want to put it into action a bit more. I have two ideas. I think there is a room for a anti-productivity 
content creator because you have thousands of productivity YouTubers and bloggers and Instagrammers that are all about like motivational quotes and tips and tricks about being more efficient and essentially like everything that this book is against. And so I can imagine that there's room and it probably exists, right? People that are anti-productivity that are more about don't be more productive, but just be more focused. And I would say it's probably in line with the whole stoic. You have like these stoic content creators. It's more in that line. Yeah, 100%. You can do some of that. And also you could add some comedy elements around all the things that stuff people are trying to do and why they're being silly. I think it wouldn't be too hard. And there's loads of content also around telling people that they probably have ADHD or whatever and like being like, yeah, no, <laughs> you're just being a human and this is how the world works these days. Exactly. And then I think another business, but it feels like it's more of a useful thing than a real monetizable business. It's like an application for the close and open to-do lists. And so this requires some context. So one of the suggestions that this book makes, by the end, it makes a few actionable suggestions about how to apply this book. And so the last time reflections, as if everything you do, imagine that it's your last time. That's one of the actionable things that you can do. Saying what you think is also one of the things that you can do. And then another one that the author suggests is having two to-do lists. There's a closed to-do list and there's an open to-do list. And some people like change what is called the close and what is called the open to-do list. So the close to-do list is a to-do list where you have all of your important life goals and steps to get those done. And you have all of them in there. And so that list is theoretically infinite. You can make that as long as you wish. And then you have your open to-do list. And your open to-do list is three to five max points that you take from your close to-do list and you put into your open to-do list. And these are the three to five things that you focus on. And you're not focusing on things on your close to-do list. So you're only focusing and doing things that are actively progressing the things on your open to-do list. You can only take something from your close to-do list to your open to-do list if you're done with something on your open to-do list or if you decide that you don't want to do it anymore. This is helping you focus on what's really important and making sure that you're not doing too many things or trying to do too many things. And so I think there could be an application for that. But as a VC, I would never invest in such an application because it feels like it's hard to monetize that skill. So the funny thing about this book is it is actually a productivity book in that half of the things that you said are actually things that help with productivity and are very similar in terms of it's very much like the eat the frog first, like do the thing that is most important, only work on the really important goals and ignore the others. It is just being productive. And certainly the closed versus open to do this is something I've tried to do more myself around making sure I finish things before I do other things in that it's very easy to be like, oh, I need to do this other thing and this other thing and this other thing. So you can start lots of things without ever finishing and actually going through the bit in the middle where it gets a little bit hard and finishing is hard initially, but then once you do it, you actually reach the enjoyment of completing stuff and getting more used to like actually not letting yourself think about other things until it's finished is really nice and makes you way more productive than thinking you're being productive by like doing lots of stuff. So things like the Motion app, which allows you to schedule a million different things into your calendar and optimizes every single gap you have for like what must be done, leaves no chance for any breaks. And it also means that you're constantly doing a new thing every hour and you might never finish Mm -hmm. anything. And it's a crap thing. It's constantly advertising itself as like the solution to ADHD because you'll fit everything into your day. And you're like, I'll get fuck all done (laughs) because I used it for a bit and it made my life 10 times worse. And actually not having my calendar filled with shit 
is way better because I actually can just do something and appreciate that sometimes I take longer to do things and I'll finish it without doing anything else and then it's done and I can do something else and at least actually complete things. So this is actually a very good productivity book, despite calling itself an anti-productivity book. It's true. I guess it depends on what we define as being productive, right? Because you can be productive in getting important things done or just doing things and doing lots of things that are not important. You could also call that of being productive. So, But then on the line of like not getting distracted until you finish the thing, then maybe you could have a box to put your phone in or a calendar blocker that actually tells everyone that you've got meetings with in the next hour that they can't come unless it is something that you can do. So let's say you, you need to finish writing a chapter on your book, it could just automatically clear the rest of your day for you, which would be nice so that you in a really sensible AI way of giving you a good excuse that sounds nice and personal, giving you the time to focus. I just think a calendar where you only have one day of meetings is a really good start for most people's lives. Good. All right. Sam, who would this be an ideal gift for and why? I feel like the classic anyone that's saying that they're too busy, which is kind of everyone. I feel at any age, it's still good. Obviously, being in my 30s, I always think of people at my age now where I'm like, okay, maybe they're about to miss what could be the prime of their life where they can still able-bodied enough to go and do things that they might not be able to do in 10, 20 years time. And they're just spending their entire day in the office trying to chase a bunch of goals and money and things that maybe isn't quite as useful for their life would be perhaps my target person. But anyone that likes reading the Stoics, for example, and does like a bit of philosophy would probably really enjoy this book. It feels to me like this is a book that is never a mistake to give to a person. You could give it to anyone and I think it's a chance or they might take something away because I feel like this book is a bit of an antidote to modern society and the pressures that it puts upon you, especially for the high performance. Because it feels like there's more and more this bit of a a counter movement of, you know, chill down and enjoy life a bit more and try and work less. But still, I feel like this is a, a book that in general is a good present for anyone. If you don't know what book to give, this feels like a good book to give. And I would say that's I think everyone knows these people that are like hyper productive and doing are like doing five things at the same time and are really into being more productive and being better and the best version of themselves. Actually, pretty sure that few people I know would describe me that way. But I think these people probably benefit most from the book like this because I think anyone realizes when they think about it deeply is that if you're trying to do too many things, you're not going to do any of them really well. And I think that's one of the core messages of this book. And Focusing on what's really important to you, I think, is important, and anyone can probably learn from that. makes it hard to say specifically one type of person. In some ways, someone that is already in the chill-down side of things might prefer this book to someone that's actually trying to do all the things in their life. But if someone is trying to be overly productive, as I said, this book is an anti-productivity book that actually is a productivity book, so I think it would Mm -hmm. still help them regardless. Everyone would kind of be a bit happy with it in that sense. There's a few other discussion points that I had put as things that might be relevant for a book. One is, should this be taught in school? And like, how would that happen? And another one is, in terms of changing your habits and your environment, if you had to do a marathon version of this project, what would you do to like throw everything at it to make yourself like live the rules of this book? So firstly, should this be taught in school? Why isn't it taught? And like, how would you make it part of the curriculum? It's a really interesting and good question. Are you familiar with the FIRE movement? You financial independence and retire early. These are the type of movements, and maybe I'm wrong, like I haven't thought this through, but it sometimes feels like society moves forward because everyone is a consumer and everyone always wants more. And so 
if the whole world decided I'm going to earn money until I have just enough money to survive in a very low cost, low expense lifestyle where I'm just relaxing, living in nature and doing what the hell I want. If everyone suddenly decided to do that, it feels to me like society as we know it would collapse or not work anymore. Similarly, if everyone decided that there are five things that really matter to them, which are family, health, these types of things, I don't know how the world would look. And so it feels like some of these things that should be a well-kept secret and only for the people who are really willing to do it. What do you think? I know what you mean on not everyone can necessarily do it, but if you can automate your wealth creation, so financial independence retirement is basically getting to the point where you have enough money that you are then just accruing money through your assets that are somehow being productive to society. But maybe that's different ways. If more people are trying to do it, there's just other services that don't actually require someone's time to make them happen. In some ways, it could be like a massively automated version of communism where everything is wonderful (laughs) if it actually worked. But assuming that you actually need lots of people to just do manual stuff and things, then it's not so practical. In terms of this specific book, I don't think it's quite so bad in terms of it is a productivity book. And let's say you have a lot of kids at school that have a lot of things that they want to do and some of them do want to win Nobel prizes and other stuff but they just have a lot of other things come at them that they start to prioritize and don't quite get there and I think it's like being Olympian like you really need to do that in your 20s you can't suddenly realize at 30 that you love exercising and that you can really do it and being made aware that you have to really prioritize that early is really important so if we do want people that are going to achieve big things I think this book could actually help them in terms of getting them to clear the crap out of that list and trying to do everything can be in like, actually, there's only a few things I can achieve. This is my shot in life to do this really cool thing. So actually it could make the world more productive in that sense. In terms of how to then actually teach that to a child is a harder answer that I'm not too sure about. <laughs> and it's one of those things, certainly just trying to tell people stories about what people have done before them is kind of harder when you're a kid and they hit you much harder once you've actually been through these mistakes. But even within like a space of a month, if you get people to be aware of what they're trying to do versus what they actually get done, you can still like make them aware of this fact. And so I think you can teach them the principles of how trying to do everything will not work. How would you teach your own child some of these principles? I would have to think it through more, but I would say by living it. Because in the end, you teach by example, and especially with kids, I think they're more aware of what you do than what you say. In this case, I would try to live the book and the principles, but also over-communicate that you're living it. I'm not going to do this because I've decided that this is not important to me, not as important as my family and my health, and et cetera, et cetera. Good answer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that is something that I have been doing in terms of having run the Growth Mindset podcast, which Growth Mindset is kind of, you can do anything you put your mind to, but... You can't do everything Hmm. is always the thing. People are like, yes, I can do this. And they're like, no, 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 no. (laughs) You can only do this if you stop doing the other things and actually really prioritize and you put a shitload of extra practice into this. Like, great. Neuroplasticity, your brain can become crazy good at playing piano, but you're going to need four hours a day (laughs) and (laughs) stop doing lots of other stuff. It is all about like sacrifices ultimately in that sense. I think kind of just showing the balance of like, you have to stop stuff to do stuff better by saying that's what you're doing. And then for yourself, in terms of like, let's say you wanted to run better or whatever, setting like a marathon project, committing to a marathon where you get some people to donate to charity. So you literally just have to go running every day, even if you don't like running. 
to the point where you actually become quite a good runner. It's a really good tool for whatever you want to get good at anything, like finding a way to set yourself like a really overly ambitious project. Is there an overly ambitious project you could set yourself that would get you into the habits of this book to the point where those habits are easy? Another idea might be to make a list of five things that are really critical for you. And for X number of days, which could be three months, could be a month, could be a year, make sure that everything that you do is related to one of these five and always like only related to one of these five. A marathon project, it's hard because there's not a target in this. There's not one thing that you achieve when you do this correctly. I feel like the only way for applying it would be to do it for X amount of time and then review how you're feeling and log everything. So something I've been thinking about is having like the few things you really are important to you each day and then like time tracking those. So like, let's say I'm not doing Mm -hmm. enough editing. Okay. I have to do at least two hours of editing every day and I have to start my time tracker and I have to only do that at least every day. And like, sure, sometimes I could do six hours and that does happen, but so often I just don't do any because I just don't make myself start. But if I force myself to do at least two hours every day, I'm just filling my time with the thing I want to be doing a bit more. And then just sort of having that accountable to someone and maybe having like some kind of like stick goal where you have like money donated to like an anti-charity or something if you don't do it every day. It's a bit like calorie counting and stuff. It's like it's sort of diets that people like find a bit dieting and stuff isn't necessarily that useful in the short term. But if you can sort of trial different diets to the point where you find something that's just a sustainable way of eating, then like it's good to try diets. But if you're just trying to like do one short-term cure, it's never going to last. I think it's the same with this is in terms of do something that's overly ambitious and wouldn't be something you could sustain for your whole life, but do it in a way to the point where you can grow bigger muscles for the thing you're trying to do and find ways to make the thing more fun Hmm. and make the habits easier to stick. I think that was a useful thing to talk to you about because it kind of forced me to do some more of these things that I've been thinking about maybe doing. So I'm glad Hmm. I asked. (laughs) I've started doing one thing recently, actually this week. I have now have a little journal next to my bed and every night I try to write down one win of the day, one point of stress, tension or anxiety and one thing I'm grateful for. And so I've been doing that for a few days now. My life hasn't changed completely yet, but it feels like a interesting habit because as a VC, one of the things that we're looking for is like fast feedback loops because in the end, being an innovative requires you to cycle quickly, experiment quickly, fail fast, and improve. And I think journaling, writing stuff down, and reflecting is essentially creating new data points. You essentially start having daily data points, which you can start fast link certain activities to feeling better or worse. And that might be, again, useful if I can combine that with having my priorities and just reflecting on the day and seeing if I do spend more time on my five priorities Do I feel better at the end of the day? Yes or no? And once you start like getting that and understanding that, it's going to make it easier for you to during the day actually say, okay, instead of doing this, I'm going to start doing that because I know that this will make me feel better. I find journaling was really useful for, yeah, just being a bit more mindful of what actually happened every day. And what I found Mm -hmm. difficult was reviewing it on like a weekly or a monthly basis or annually as such, which I say you should do. But what I did find useful for that was using the future me email service where you basically send an email to yourself like in a year's time and i bloody love it like (laughs) you hear like all your frustrations your goals your like desires and your dreams that you kind of can just go a bit crazy with once a year kind of thing and then they arrive the next year and you're like oh my god why did i even care about that (laughs) it's so good 
It's made me a bit more aware of the time and how fast it goes and how much you won't worry about things that you're worrying about now, but how much of a positive, like, influencing effect of just some of the small habits that you do has and how your life will sort of get better from some of the things that you're doing. You're not necessarily sure what they're doing. So I would recommend doing that one as well. Good. All right. So next episode, which we hope will be faster than the gaps that we've been having now, because I've actually already finished that book. It's a book called The Culture Code, The Secrets of Highly Successful Groups, written by Daniel Coyle. It's, you know, something is that we talked about today was related to that in, in a certain way, which I found interesting. So yeah, that's next book. Any final thoughts from you, Sam? Yeah, I really like this book. Probably more useful for your life than most of the other productivity books. Good. All right, Sam, thank you for joining and for the great insights. And uh, listener, thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed. If you did, let us know. We look forward to speaking to you in the next episode. Ciao.